want to invite some of my friends right here on the second row to make their way up. It's a little bit different. If you are, <clears throat> if you're new this morning, um, we're doing things a little bit differently. You can go ahead and sit down. We're doing things a little bit differently. You might be thinking, man, I really came for a great sermon. I want to hear the word. Well, you normally will hear that. We are so about exegetical preaching and teaching. This is not one of those mornings. This is a little bit more because earlier this week I was asking the Lord what did he want us to do. He didn't really give me a message. He didn't put, put me anywhere. He just said, look, introduce your family to some of the mothers and fathers of the church. And he told me what to do about So I said, that's awesome. I'd love to do that. So that's what we're going to do here kind of for the, in, uh, for, the, for the rest of the service. And we'll have some ministry time and that kind of stuff at the end. But I just want to spend a few minutes letting you guys get to know Gilbert and Christy Simpson. They are just, they are some of the mothers and the fathers of our church. Um, Gilbert is one of the elders. Uh, we have four and in the weeks to come. I'll introduce you to the rest of the leadership team. Christy is one of our pastors who's helping with sort of leading and building the children's ministry here. They've got an incredible story. Um, and and I, just want, I just want you to know more about them and their story as well. So that's what we're gonna do. We got a table, we got mics. We don't have any coffee though. That'd be cool too, but it's all right. So you guys get a little bit of a taste of this. Um, Gilbert, I wanna start, and I just got like five or six questions, nothing. So if you've got any real deep theological questions, text them to me and I'll ask them. Just kidding. How big is God, Gilbert? Um, man, tell us, about, tell us about the beginning. How did you meet Christy? How did I meet Christy? I was um, doing church, you know, um, big church, um, North Point in Atlanta, Georgia, um, Alpharetta, and I was doing, I'm never going to be a Mike Hawk. Uh, you know right, that. That's right. Um, <laughs> I'm actually very nervous, so. I hate this stuff right here. So, anyway, I, it was me and four to five other people at a, a singles function every other Sunday at a restaurant outside of the church. Probably 150 people would show up um, called Fusion 23. And Christy came in. I was the guy that day taking names and putting name tags on, and she started making fun of my name. Okay, so you were both young adults, single adults in North Point. North church Point Community North Georgia, Church. Andy Stanley's big church up there. So you were kind of leading some single ministry. She yep. comes along and she's, you know, catches your eye. And, and she caught my eye. And then um, once it was, you know, she said, um, I don't know any Gilberts. And then she starts coming up with some movie and I don't watch TV, so I didn't know the movie. And Anne of Green Gables, yeah. guys. Everybody's heard Never of seen Anne it. of Green Gables. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, I know a lot of Christie's. That's it. And then um, when it come time to sit down to get going, they had the only seat in the house um, for me to sit, so I had to sit with them. Yeah. Awesome. Um, three and a half months later, we were married. Cool. All right. Well, we I we hear only part. went back to <laughs> yeah. that singles Bible study the next week where we met again before he asked me out on my first date, and we never went back to that Bible study after That's that. It, right. <laughs> Served its purpose. All right. So, Christy, where were you then? Kind of... Tell us a little bit about your background and your life leading up to that point then. Um, I, I was raised in a godly Christian home, could not have been taught more about the Lord, raised in his ways, grew steadily along my path. Um, as a young adult, 18 to 25, I stepped away from the Lord more than I have at any other point in my life. Um, and at the end of that seven-year relationship, went running back 
to the things of God. It was like a rubber band had been stretched back during those seven years, and then when you let go, I just couldn't get enough. So that is where, when I landed, I had actually already been attending from time to time this church that Gilbert had already been attending for three or four years. It was big, like 20,000 people. So even though we had both attended for years, our paths had just never crossed. Um, but I found myself chasing after the heart of God, was out of that relationship, single for about a year and a half, and just hungry, and uh, knew what I was looking for at that point, knew what I wasn't looking for at that point, and when God brought us together, there was absolutely no doubt that he was the man that God prepared for me to walk my life together with. So, yeah, he was chasing after God's heart also, and he was the man running beside me. I want to hear the little funny story about how, like, whenever you were asking her out or talking about this, and you were, you know, like the whole, like, hey, I'm not... I told her she couldn't tell that story, Brad. Oh, no. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) So funny. So you you used to tell it then, right? So, um, during that time... Yes. There was, um, a lot of advertisement for Hair Club for Men. So I had went to the hair club for me, and I was corporate America, had a good job, but I, I, I look like you, Brad. You look like me, yeah. So I went there, and they take a camera, and they show you what's going on. It messed me up. I ran out of there. They told me I was going to have a thing glued to my head. If, I, if anybody's got it, I don't need to talk to you about it, um, that it was going to be glued to my head. I said no, but I was hanging on. I still had hair here. I, was, I wasn't, I was 29 years old, 30 years old. And um, so when we went to, on our first date, I wore a ball cap. And I said, is this a problem? And, and she I think, said, no. I said, go ahead and shave it. It's, it'll be sexier. That wasn't the story I was talking about, but I'm glad you told that one too. <laughs> story is there? All right, it's okay. <clears throat> All right. So y'all, y'all meet at North Point. This is... Um, you go to the singles group one time, you ask her out, she says yes. You're not playing around, you're not looking for casual dating, you're, you're no and you're one a woman of God. And you tell her that, right? You're like... I'm yeah, not- we had the conversation pretty quick. Um, yeah. You know, um, it was, there was something like she said that, um, you know, when you're chasing the wind, the heart of God, look beside you. Yeah. That's who you should be with. And uh, so we had both been chasing, you know, um, you know, I was part of a lot of different things at church and was... You know, we were leading this singles thing, and, you know, when I met her, I knew, and we hit it off, and we knew. Got married. Okay. So what happened next? Started life together. We did. We, uh, the biggest change in our life at that time was we started a a three-and-a-half-year intensive Bible study, um, kind of the equivalent of going to seminary. And it, even though I'd been raised in the church, Gilbert also, but not quite as strong of a Christian family, um, it had not given me even a tenth of the foundation that we gained during that three and a half year study. So that really put a solid foundation under our faith. At the, at the end of that three and a half years, we sensed that God, even though we had no idea what or how, that he was calling us into ministry even then. This was 10 or 11 years ago now. Um, but... We did not listen. We were caught up in the things of the world. We were caught up in growing our businesses, you know, 
your bigger house, a nicer car, toys, just the things of this world. Um, and instead of listening or stepping through doors that God was opening, we chose to just buckle down and be the workaholics that we were and grow our businesses. And we were just consumed. Um, we made it. We had our dream home, dream barn, dream cars. You had, you had a number of businesses that you guys built from the ground up. Like you're we just, did. You're very entrepreneurial that way. We did. Um, and we just got trapped. We, we were hungry for more, um, but just got distracted by the things of the world. And it was gravitating to the lukewarmness, which is yeah, very you're comfortable. This, you're part of like the kind of the larger megachurch, comfortable we Christianity had, thing. Even deer and all that, don't get, don't get it confused. We were, we were Christians. Yeah. We were going to church. We, you know, left the big church. Was te- I teach, we both was teaching Bible training in, in, in my work and different places at the church. Um, we were busy. Yeah. In church, um, we loved the Lord. We did small groups. We were we were doing all of those things. So if you had a list to check it off, we could check off pretty much everything on that list. Right. So um, and at this point, God did call us out of the mega church for okay. a, a year or so. He had really placed it on our hearts that we needed to be involved in a local church, a small body that we could have a family. So we stepped out of the big church. We looked for a year or so. Finally, landed at this other church, which. At the very beginning, there were red flags, but we were so hungry for community after being out of it for a year that we compromised and we settled for the community that we were hungry for, but yet a church that wasn't passionate about the things of God. But we found ourselves leading there before you knew it. We're both leaders by nature, the way God made us, and we were walking on that leadership team before you knew it, um, serving in every capacity you could possibly imagine because... We're workaholics. That's what we do. <laughs> so how did your, so you're married then, and tell us about how kind of your family began to grow and kind of what that journey was like. Well, our family wasn't growing. That was the problem. So, um, you know, we went to the doctor. We, we did everything we possibly could. Um, you know, um, in, we hadn't done the in vitro or anything like that. We just, you know, we were still praying and seeing and we decided to do um, foster care um, and to adopt. So that was um, how it started. And so you brought eight. foster kids into your home then? For- we did. In 2013, we had 16 children that came in and out of our home. They came in sets of four and three and two, but 16 came and went that year. And uh, it was pretty obvious that that was not the way that God intended to grow our family. We have plenty of friends that that is how he chose to grow their family, but not in our particular instance. And in the middle of that year also, we had a failed private adoption with a little six-year-old girl. And at this point, we're eight years into infertility. We we wanted to be parents more than anything. Well, we went into it saying we just wanted to, we want to adopt. We, We really can't do the foster care heart's not there. Right. They're like, that's great. We need you. Um, none of them was ever adoptable. Um, our system that was there was just, it was a real hard deal. Um, so after about 18 months, we pulled, we, the, plug we pulled the plug on it and had to take a break. Um, and then, so then, you know, we tried some other stuff. There, there's things out there where people have donated their embryos and you can adopt them. And um, we prayed about it. And, you know, not to go into it now, but if you go through all the dates... They all kind of lined up, so we 
you know, paid our deposit. We were, you know, approved or whatever to adopt an embryo. And um, God was saying, don't do it. And um, so we were, um, we went back into the in vitro area. Right. You know, so we went and got our test and stuff. And at this point, I said, look, if, if I'm 40 years old and we haven't had a kid, can't do it. So um, I'm, I'm done. I'm buying another car. I'm, whatever I want, it's done. No kid. Yeah. Let's go travel. So um, we did the um, in vitro. Hold up for a second. So in the 10 years prior to this, 11 years prior to this, we had not had peace to move forward with in vitro. And again, there were other friends we had that had walked down this road, Christian friends. God had chosen to grow their family that way. And all of a sudden, there was a peace with it to walk down that road. Um, a doctor that we loved, the price was right because our insurance sure didn't pay for it. And God just started opening doors for us to walk that road. Answer prayers that we didn't even pray, providing financially. Um, and everybody, uh, everybody in our life surrounding us from our church walked that road with us. Um, they wouldn't have used these words, but God used them to speak prophetically into our life. Um, at a time when I had almost given up of becoming a mom, they spoke into our lives that the answer might have seemed like it was a no. It was just a not yet. So. But then something happened then, right? Along comes. Yeah. Well, we, um, we went and did the in vitro, um, and, and we got pregnant. No, we didn't. Well, it said we were positive. That was the second round. Second round. It was, it's a roller coaster. It is, right. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, so in that, with the in vitro, we did it. I, we always traveled usually that time of year. So a friend of mine, we wasn't real close, he asked me, he's like, well, where are y'all going? I said, I'm not going anywhere this year. That money's going to trying to have a kid. And so he asked me some questions, and I filled him in. And, you know, he, he was one of those guys that likes to just fix things. Um, so he, um, he kept, you know, asking questions. And then, you know, we were in that 10-day deal or whatever. And so he, he said, what happened? I said, it didn't, it didn't happen. You know, we just found out, you know, it was like the second day or so that um, two weeks later that it didn't happen. And um, he's like, I got a little boy. You want him? And he sent me a picture. I said, let's talk about it tomorrow. Well, the next day, he's there. He's like, I'm telling you, this is a good deal. This is a good kid. He, you know, and he tells me the story of, of where he came from, and it was his nephew's kid, and nobody wanted him. He didn't want him. And um, I said, man, I, I can't just do this. You know, um, he said, do you have a, I said, I need a, he said, you need a test drive. I said, I need to know if the kid fits our home. At 10 o'clock that night. Shows up, huh? Yeah. And he's in, this little boy is how old when he shows up? 15 months old. 15 months old, okay. So he stays there. Christy, you want to pick this up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously God didn't answer our prayer the way we thought he was going to with in vitro working out. But two weeks later, he delivered a little boy into our arms. Beautiful. And 
Um, yeah, so he worked miraculously fast in the adoption. Um, we just, we had a group, a small group that had just, they had a newborn in their home that they should have been able to keep. Two years, the boy is in their home, and the judge pulls the little guy for no reason, gives him back to a single dad. Boss, uh, the, the state or whoever the pulls state. him out. So we've seen all that. So when, when Gus came to the house, he leaped into Christie's arms at 10 o'clock that night. Um, so my prayer was, I can't do this. It's got to be supernaturally fast, and he can never leave. Right. Because you knew that foster care could go either way. They could come in at any point. He wasn't in the foster care system, this one, but he was supposed to go back to the grandparents in four days. It was kind of a sneaky thing. They didn't Same even, risk, though. It was risky. They didn't risk. know he was there, right. but they were looking for somebody to, to, to put him with. So my prayer was that it happened supernaturally fast and that he never leaves. Well, God started showing up. He didn't leave in four days. He didn't leave the next week. Well, now it's Easter, and the grandmother says, I want him here for Easter with all my other grandchildren. So they're like, he's got to go back. And at that point, they knew he was in our house, and we were trying to work it all out. And um, so I changed my prayer. And I said, I know he's got to go back, but I want him back, Lord. At lunchtime, Tina, the, the lady that was fighting for us, she said, i got to tell you something. She said, the other kids couldn't come, so the grandma didn't want him either. So he doesn't get to go. And God said, why did you change your prayer? Come on. Did you not trust me? Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and he never left. Never left yeah, it was only three weeks. It seemed like forever, but it was only three weeks from the moment that he was brought to our home that the mother, the biological father, and the man she was married to all signed their parental rights directly over to us, which in the adoption world that's unheard of. is fast. Yeah. Um, so he definitely grew our family. Um, if it had been up to us, I think we'd have a half a dozen, but we have one. And we were, I personally felt it more than Gilbert, but we were in that fight for so many years, 11 years before Gus came along. Um, it's, he has answered that prayer in my mind, and it's a fight that I've laid down. There's fights that he's called me to that last a lifetime, but that one's been answered. Um, yeah. So at this point then, you are basically, you're living the dream then. You have successful businesses. You're doing some ministry. You've got a big, beautiful farmhouse. You've got now a child, a son. When did you sense, though, that God was about to sort of shift things around for you? Well, it was very immediately after Gus even arrived in our home and the adoption was final that God really started stirring our hearts for something more. He had done it before, and we had not paid attention, um, just ignored him, but he really started stirring us up, making us uncomfortable where we were, where the pain of staying the same was greater than the pain of what does it look like that you're calling us to, God? Um, and everything went wrong. You want to share that part of the story? Well, it was, you know, I've always been in, in ministry. I've always been in men's ministry. My heart has always been to families and ministry, but I, I didn't have a child, so it's really hard for me to call a dad out when I don't even have a kid. So, but I could always see those things, and um, now I have a child. And, but I'm, my roots, you know, the older you get, your roots get deeper and deeper into this, this ground here. Um, that's not our home, 
And, you know, um, so I was kind of, you know, I, I knew a lot of Bible, did a lot of training, and, you know, was kind of even getting to the point where maybe I didn't even need to do that as much because I'm getting older and I already know a lot of it. Um, so then things started happening, and just you name it, it was happening from lawsuits to contracts going, you know, losing contracts. Um, financially, we were still fine. We were still doing very well. But life wasn't like it was. It was he was getting our attention, and um, I think the, the the we were we were sensing it. We were starting to talk about it, but life was so good. I wasn't ready, and um, so standing at my shop one day, you know, I'm looking around at all my stuff and you know just the the, the things of this world, and he said, "Sell it." He said, "I've given you everything you've ever wanted. Now sell it and chase after me again." What was your initial reaction? When no. You heard that? No, you're, look, you're looking at your sports car. Well, I had never, I wasn't here and you know, you, you, is it really him? I could be making this stuff yeah, up, right. you know? it's, it's so cool. I'm going to just not tell nobody about that. And, um, so we were at a playground, you know, kind of talking about some stuff and Gus was, you know, first pew there in the sand and he went to climb up some monkey bars, 12 inches off the ground, fell back in sand and broke a femur bone. Um, so when I, we picked him up, we realized it was broke. His little leg went from this big to, you know, the size of a football. That got my attention. I, bet. I, bet. You I can't. I don't have full control over everything in my life. God was saying stuff, you know, how, how bad does it have to get? Do I have your attention now? And um, it was during that time, a six weeks, he was in a three, uh, he was in a, almost a full body cast with a rod between his leg. Um, we traveled. We, we just got in the truck and traveled and, and was like, you know, we kind of talked about it. Uh, can I interrupt for yeah. a second? So on top of everything going wrong as far as business and life and lawnmowers and air conditioners leaking and ceilings and just like crazy amounts of chaos that are not normal for our life. Um, there was a second round of in vitro because we had a leftover embryo from the first one and we had to give that baby a chance to life for, at life. And we did get pregnant the second time. So for the first time in 13 years, we get pregnant. And Gus's broken femur and the loss of that baby um, happened within two days of each other. So, like, the world is crashing in. This is maybe three, four years ago, five years ago? Three? Two years Two ago. years, a little over, but over two, two years. Two falls yeah. ago. Maybe yeah. even to the day. Yeah, two falls ago. Yeah. Falls ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you decide then, you make that choice then, like, look, whatever we're doing, we're changing directions. God's calling Whatever us we're doing, we're not going to keep doing it. Okay. It's not going to stay like this. So, you know, as you travel, we went this place, that place, um, and we talked, and we're like, let's do it. We've talked about this forever, you know, and I've said it before. You know, it wasn't something in our home that we knew God wasn't doing. And I said, I'm done. And Christy's like, yeah, you're done. And then when we got home, I was done, and I put my business up for sale. I started selling the stuff in the yard. I started selling. If it didn't sell, I'd give it away, and I said, I'm done. Um, we started getting rid of the things that hold us to this earth. We just started eliminating them one by one because in our minds, we didn't know where God was calling us to, and we wanted to lighten the load. And family and friends, they were supportive, or were they looking at you like? They thought we were crazy. <laughs> the, they... You know, the pastor was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, slow down. Um, 
you know, he, it, God was just stirring us. You know, he put some people in our lives that, um, that was able to speak truth and, and help us see that, you know, that we had gravitated so far to that lukewarmness um, that it was comfortable, you know. And, you know, a friend of mine, he said something. He said, you know, only about, I can only claim two people that, that when I see them, they have a light coming from them for Jesus. He said, um, you used to be one of those. Wow. It's hard to hear. And you're like, okay, we're making a change. We're shifting. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit then to like the start of 2018. You have made decisions. You're downsizing. You've decided you're selling the farm, selling everything, right? Yep. So connect it to Kentucky then. What happens in 2018 and in that spring? Well, I turned 40. And I told Gilbert that the only thing I wanted for my 40th birthday was to go to Indian Springs Holiness Campground. All right, and you've been there before, right? When I was a teenager. Okay. Um, It's hot there. It's hot. Real hot. And uh, so we had been so wrapped up in careers and lives and busyness and me photographing weddings every Saturday, as you could possibly imagine, that I just kind of said, I don't have time for Indian Springs. Um, And then all of a sudden, God, we started clearing out our schedules in our life and making ourselves available to whatever God was calling us to. Well, she kept saying there's, there's a reason we're supposed to go. She kept saying She's that. She kept saying it. There was... And you've not been then in 20-something, like 22 years. 22, you've not stepped foot. You went as a teenager. Yep. In fact, I'll, let me interrupt here. I knew her. We knew each other briefly when, because I, you know, I went there when I was a teenager too, and Meg and I have worked on and off at this camp meeting for all of our marriage. So we're they, we've, you know, we've been going mostly every summer since we've been married. But she has not been in a long time. So there was just a sense in my heart as we're stepping out in faith to whatever God is calling us to, and we have no idea what that is yet, um, that we would meet somebody, our paths would cross at Indian Springs with somebody that we would be walking out our futures with. Didn't know what that meant. Didn't know if it was just a word of advice, walking side by side, but that we were supposed to go. Well, Gilbert, I didn't have that thought. You know, I, I had a bunch of ideas now that I'm free. You know, the business had sold. and You, you wanted know, to do ministry, and you had I'm some good ministry. ideas. I had, I had great ideas. Okay. You know, I had great people in line. I mean, it was, so my prayer was that God would bless these ideas. So, you know, I was, I was good. I seen the future was bright. All right. So our paths cross. That's right. We fall in love. I fall in love with Meg. Gilbert falls in love with Brad. Um, Quickly, even though Gilbert went kicking and screaming, he didn't even want to stay. He wanted to go back to work and leave Gus and I there. Uh, Anyway, he and Brad got to talking that first night in the rocking chairs of the hotel. And by the time it was the day that he was supposed to go back home to do work, he was like, I'm not going to miss this for the world. The front porch of that place is pretty cool. It is awesome. So Brad and Meg spoke prophetically over our lives while we were there, which has never happened for either of us before, not to the magnitude into which they spoke over us. And God just started knitting our hearts together. We started, we, we shared with each other what God was up to in each of our lives. And we just started to realize though maybe not immediately on Gilbert's part, that we were pieces of a puzzle that belonged side by side. And so for the next couple of months, we talked about it and prayed about it. Gilbert's like, I just don't want God to call me to start a church or to be part of starting a church. In my flesh, I don't want that. So he fought it. 
for three or four months, and every time I would bring up Kentucky to Gilbert, he would say, Christy, every time you mention that word, I get sick to my stomach. Let me jump in here, too. So Meg and I, this is when we're in the pre this is when we're meeting with some of you guys on Friday nights. We haven't started meeting as a church yet. We're hungry for co-laborers. You know, we're not apologizing for it um, at this point. So we meet this couple and we're just like, oh my word, they're just beautiful and amazing and talented. They're single-minded. And we just sort of float this idea like, look, if God doesn't give you anything else to do, we're starting a new work in Kentucky, come on up. But we're not going to push him because I don't want to be responsible for somebody just, you know, on a whim, selling everything and moving up here. You know, I'm not 100% sure this thing's going to work anyway. You know, I'm like, I don't want them to move up here. But we invite him to come up for our opening weekend on October, our first Sunday is October, I think, 14th or something. So they agree, they come up, and they kind of begin to see the work for themselves. Gilbert's still fighting it He's still at fighting this point. It. Yeah. He's here. I'm sure he sent something. And you're would, seeing some of your, your ministry dreams kind of begin to like, I mean, oh, it, they're elusive. I mean, they're not coming together like you want. Well, we don't have the time now, but I mean, if I walked you through it, you're like, man, that's the best thing I've ever heard. God's in this. <laughs> right. He, he was definitely, and he was in it, shutting doors. And then we'd reopen the door, me and another guy, and, and we're like, this is going to happen now. Yeah. You know, four hours later, door shut again. You know, so we fought it, and then the... Everything we had going just had to stop. You know, there come a point where God says no, and then that's where God was like, stop praying for me to bless what you're doing and come be a part of what I'm doing. And I think that's where the shift started, started to change. Yeah, so we came up here, we looked at some properties, found one that we loved. We were here the end of March. Um, loved well, we didn't get that family. one. What? You said we found one that we loved. I said we didn't get that one. We loved there the one. There ain't nothing about this house that we got. <laughs> so they <laughs> bought a they bought a run like a rundown house in Harrodsburg. A hundred and twenty-five years old. Yes. It is a work of love. A work of love. Well, one yes. of the problems finding a house was my car. Ah, this is fun. Um, we came here several trips. And nothing had a garage. My car couldn't be. Tell, tell us about the car, though. Guys, listen up. 1968 Camaro, Pro Touring. Everything the best. Um, it was a nitrous car, if you know anything about that. It had 18.5s in the back with a back seat. It was my bucket list. So you had sold everything. Except this. But like she said I could keep it. She was fine. <laughs> we even had a yearly budget for it. All right. I mean, that's God. Yeah. But we couldn't find a house with a garage. And I, it's one Sunday. We're headed to church in, in, in Georgia, and God said, sell it. And I said, oh, no. And I had been putting in some labor, you know, finishing the interior. A lot of stuff was, it was, it was, it was coming, a beautiful car. Beautiful car. Yeah. Um, he said, sell it. <laughs> and it was clear. So I said, okay, you want me to sell it? You're going to give me what I was asking for. I'm putting it on eBay. Two hours, somebody called me, and I was rude to the guy. I said, I don't need help selling the car. He said, I don't. So I'm not going to ask you how much you listed it for, but this wasn't like a little two or $3,000 car no. like I would buy. This no. is a, like, collector item car. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. So I told the guy, I don't need right. help selling it. He said, I don't want to sell it. I want to buy it. So me and this guy had multiple conversations, 
lot of people started bidding on it. On the seventh day, 30 minutes before, it still hadn't reached my reserve. This guy still hadn't put a deposit down, and I decided not to sell it, and I took it off eBay. I'm in church, and this guy's wearing my phone out. What's going on? This guy showed up and bought the car for what I was asking for. That's it. And then the next, we come to Kentucky and found a house with no garage. (laughs) So, but, guys, I think I speak for a lot of us here. Um, The way that that church is done, typically in evangelical churches here in this country, there's just so much lacking. There was such a hunger to be surrounded by people who were serious about their walks, who Jesus was the topic of so many of their conversations and not just what they did on Sunday. Um, I... I actually, prior to King's Church, I have never attended a church like this before. Gilbert grew up in one similar, I mean, that's a loose term, but, um, but like I grew up in a Baptist church that taught that miracles and healings happened in Jesus' time, not now. That's the foundation that was formed in my faith my entire, not my entire, but almost all of my teenage years. And God has challenged us so much through this body. Um, It's such a blessing. And I know I speak for all of us. It's why we're here. There's a different hunger to go deeper in the things of the Lord. There's an awareness of, of Him wanting to pour out His Spirit in new and miraculous ways. Um... Ways that, that I have never understood prior to being part of this family. There's still so much to learn and so far to go. But he's, he's present. He's present in all of the meetings. He's present in conversations. He's, he's just, he's calling each of us guys to risk it all, to step out and trust him because we're either going to believe the lies that the world has spoken over us or taught us or that we have grown up in and under, or we're going to believe the truth that he speaks over our lives, the power that he wants to display in and through us. Um, It's an exciting time. I've never been more excited about my faith. I think it's, it's, it's for me, it's, I had, I had Jesus in my, in my head. You know, I knew God, but I didn't have him in my heart. And that's the difference. That's right. You know, he wants to be in our heart. So all the stuff was me trying to fill that gap in my heart, that hunger, and it wouldn't make me happy. None of it never made me happy. Um, and it was until, okay, God, it's yours, whatever, and I'm all in. There's a freedom and a power that comes really from just from, from saying no. I mean, the, Jesus meets these disciples on the shore. They're fishermen. They got a livelihood. They got boats. The Bible says they laid their nets down, left them there at the water's edge, walked with Jesus. 
takes a lot of a lot of risk to do what you guys have done. We've read the books. They're out there. We've read the books. Yeah. And we believe it. You know, we can all have these conversations. And the people around me would have the conversations. Right. But my life looked no different than everybody else's. You know, and we're, where's our hope? Right. You know, so it was, I've read it. I've believed it. And it's time to live it. So, you know, I'm all in. Good. Awesome. Beautiful, guys. This is, this is one of, I mean, there, we could talk for another hour about all the other stuff that's been happening, even supernaturally. Both of you guys are have supernatural giftings, healing and, and prophecy and hearing things from God that are just part of part of why God's called them. Got a lot of questions too. Yeah, it's, yeah, all of us do. We're all learning this as we go along. So I want to do this. If you, if you got anything else on your hearts to share, we're going to pray over you guys. What else, Christy, you got? I do have one other you thing. Sure, sure, sure. Just that these giftings, that these new giftings that he is giving his body, um, he's been whispering to me a lot over the last year, a lot over the last couple of months in dreams. But even before then, he was whispering. And it's just now, in these last weeks and months, that I've had the courage to step out and risk, risk not caring what other people have to say about me or what they think I'm doing in the moment, but just being obedient to what I know God is calling me to do. And guys, most people aren't walking in these doors unless they experience God's love out there. And when he's calling us to step out in faith and pray for people, to share his love with people, it's not until we prove that love to them outside these walls that probably 90% of them are ever going to walk through these doors and grow deeper in a relationship with him. So something that I'm challenged with, and maybe if others of you guys out there are challenged with this today, it's the obedience um, believing that what God is calling us to, the truth that he's speaking over our lives, that that is what we should be walking in. And every time we're obedient with something little that he whispers into our heart that he asks of us, he's gonna entrust us with the bigger things. I personally would love to be prayed over that these, these giftings that he's giving to us that we're learning to walk in, um, that he would release power and courage and just the faith that every time he whispers something to my heart that I say yes and each yes becomes easier. Right, it does. Um, yeah, and if there's anybody else out there that is sensing God calling, that has been calling to your heart, whispering to your heart, um, these new giftings that you're uncertain about walking in. If you want more courage and strength and power to walk in those, I would, I would love to invite you to come down here at the time. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Megan, take this. Um, Y'all stay right here for just a second. Megan, I wanna have you pray. We're gonna just pray over these two here. And then when we're done praying, I wanna ask Gilbert and Christy to come just to be available to pray over any any of us, any of you that just want to you know, have them lay hands on for 
just any of these. I've got a few words of knowledge I'll read. Meg and I will also be down here um, if you want to just come and receive prayer for that as well. Um, see what God wants to do. So Meg, go ahead and lead out. Let's pray over, pray over our friends here. Father, I thank you that, that there are days that you just stop us in our tracks. I thank you that when you stopped Gus in his track, that he was determined to learn how to crawl and to move, even with that cast on. It didn't stop his little soul from growing and moving forward. I thank you for this story and for this family, not just the Simpsons, but the King's Church family, that we are a growing family and that there are going to be times that we are stopped in our tracks. There will be times that we have felt challenged and will feel challenged to the nth degree of who we are here on earth. But our cry of our heart is that you would move on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that you would give us our daily bread, that you would teach us to walk step in step as you taught your disciples to lean not onto our own understanding, but to yours. Father, I thank you that you are expanding, blowing their minds, that what you said would happen is happening. What you say is true yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, I pray and claim that word for us, that as a body, we would grow together in depth, in width, in height, of understanding how much you love us. Now, Lord, we lift up Blueberry Hill, the neighborhood around us. We lift up Lexington, Lord. And thank you, Father, that you are still calling the workers in. You are still calling people to join up shield to shield, arm to arm, to sacrifice and lay it all down and to walk. And sometimes it's scary. But in my heart, and so many of us here, there's not really another option anymore. The other option tastes flat and used and tired. So Lord, I pray that you would just give us energy and excitement and celebrate who we are in you, that you are growing and challenging and mending us, healing the areas, that the world tried to destroy, and yet you are making perfect in you. I pray that over the Simpson family, Lord, that you would continue to move and to show them and to lead them, guide them, protect them. I pray over their little home, Lord, <laughs> the opposite of what they had, but nonetheless, a space for you to dwell with them. May we all find that as well. We love you. Amen. If you guys will stand down, Megan, I'll join you down here in a minute. Let me read these words of knowledge, though. and Let's stand up together, friends. We're going to kind of just move into the closing minutes of our time together. What we do at King's Church is we end with just a time of prayer, ministry, worship. Um, Brian's going to kind of lead us in some worship time together. And um, we'd love to pray for you. If you've got a need this morning, if you need, if you've got a physical thing and just want the Lord to heal you, we want to pray for you. If you've got anything else, any other kind of questions or concerns, we'll lay hands on you. If you just want to come and be up at the front and be in worship or be left alone, we'll do that as well. Let me share some, some words of knowledge that um, we sense the Lord saying. We heard this from three different people this morning about eyes. 
the Lord touching someone's eyes. Um, and so we believe that if you've got any kind of, uh, anything going on with that, the Lord wants to do that as well. Um, Uh, a word about lungs, if anyone has like a lung condition, we feel like the Lord wants to touch that, something in the throat, like just a chronic throat congestion issue. Um, some are feeling like Peter after the cross, disqualified. God is saying, Peter, feed my sheep, step back into your calling. Um, someone else said, I see Jesus pulling hearing aids out of men's ears. I'm releasing someone, someone's been in constant pain, maybe, maybe fibromyalgia, it's possibly a woman with that. I'm calling out cancer and causing it to submit. I'm restoring someone who's been abused. I saw you and justice is coming to you. I'm removing the doubt from someone. Someone is asking, you're asking, can you, God, perform a miracle where there's no evidence of it ever being performed before? And God says, yes, I can. And finally, the Lord says, I'm reuniting a daughter to her mother. So um, maybe some of those sort of hit home. Um, we'd love to pray because that's, God likely will want to meet you in, the, in those situations. So, um, yeah, let's just worship. And if you do need to, uh, if you do need to sneak out and go um, in these moments, you're free to do that. And just in, in a few more minutes of our ministry time, we'll shift and get ready for our meal together.